Good morning and welcome to Airline Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. We're so thrilled to have you joining in with us today. A little bit different. We're worshiping and preaching to an empty building, but we know that the Spirit of the Lord is here. If you're watching somewhere else around the world, last week we had people watching in Russia and in Brazil. If you just check in on your screen, if you're watching on Facebook Live, let us know where you're watching from. If you have a prayer request or a need that we can help you with, please feel free to go to our church webpage, airlinebaptist.org, and you can message us from there. I'm so appreciative of these musicians who've come and exercising... um, what, what are we calling this? Social distancing. Thank you. As many times as I've heard that, I forgot it. But I appreciate their willingness to come and lead us in a time of worship. So listen, if you're like me, I started to say I'm slightly ADD, but I'm really very ADD. Put aside anything that can distract you right now. And we're going to encourage you to sing along with our worship team. In just a few moments, open your Bibles to Luke chapter number 16. And let's just make this as much like being here as we possibly can. All right, can you do that with us? Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the fact that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're thankful for the fact that whatever comes into our life has already been filtered through your hands, and you have allowed it. So, God, you're not shocked by this worldwide pandemic. You are in control, and we claim the promises of your word. You've told us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that you'll allow all things to work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Lord, for your children, we cling to that promise. God, we pray for those who don't have a relationship with you, and rightfully so, they have some fears about what's going on. God, I pray that you would use what's happening in the world today to point people to the only peace that will last forever. That's the peace and the hope that we find in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So, Father, as we gather around a computer or a television screen with our families this morning, I pray that you would inhabit the praise of your people. You'd speak to our hearts. Bless our musicians now as they lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
church and sing a little louder. 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 In the presence of
sing Amazing Grace, y'all, okay? At your homes, you know this hymn. Let's, let's sing it together, all right? With your family, sing it out. Thank y'all. Brother Kirk, there's a song that Kirk does, and it is just uh, it's right up Kirk's alley. <laughs> he does such a good job on it, and it's very timely. I love to hear him sing it, but probably now more than, more than most times, it just seems so, so appropriate because we don't, 
It's hard for us to understand, isn't it? Well, all the things that are going on. But we know one that's got it all under control. Amen. Sing it, Kurt. Thank you so much, Kirk and worship team. None of us know tomorrow. None of us knows what tomorrow holds, but we do know the one who holds tomorrow because that's the one who holds our hand, and his name is Jesus. There are a lot of fears going on in the world today, fears about catching 
COVID-19, their fears about jobs, their fears about paying our rent and our utilities, fears about the stock market. But I want to remind you, church, that 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what he gives us is power, love, and a sound mind. So when those fears start to creep in on us, we just reject those in the name of Jesus. We don't have to fear that. I don't have to fear COVID-19 either. It seems like people are, we're all living with concern about that. We're being extra careful. We're practicing social distancing. But more people seem to be worried about COVID-19, something that's going to pass, than they are our eternal destination. Because you see, there may come a vaccine for COVID-19, and there may not. But there is no human remedy for the condition of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you, that's everybody. There's no human remedy for that. But thank God that Jesus Christ shed his blood on an old rugged cross. And because of that, we can have forgiveness of our sins. So I want us to think about this morning. We were made to last forever. You were made for eternity. What's going on right now is just preparation for eternity. If you could get a hold of the CDC in Atlanta, they're pretty busy these days, but they would tell you that the mortality rate is still 100%. If the Lord Jesus doesn't return in our lifetime, we all have an appointment with death, and sometimes that happens when we least expect it. I'll never forget a number of years ago. These are a couple of pictures I have on the shelf in my office. You probably can't see this picture. Probably didn't mean a lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me. This is a young man by the name of Jonathan Taunton. This was me baptizing him a number of years ago. This guy was probably one of the most loved guys in all of our church there in middle Georgia. He just lit up the room when he came in. The dude was always grinning. He was always smiling. He played the drums in our youth praise band, usually chewing gum and looking all over the place. But he was just that guy with the magnetic personality. And I'll never forget that night when I got the phone call that Jonathan had been in a pretty horrific accident. So we all rushed to the um, hospital there in Macon, Georgia, and we all prayed. There was tons of teenagers there praying, begging God to, to, to raise Jonathan up and bring him back to us. And I'll be honest with you, it proves I'm not a prophet. It never crossed my mind that God would let that young man go to heaven. I knew God was going to raise Jonathan up because I said, God, you know we need him, what he means to us in our church. And I was there with his mom and his aunt when the doctors came in and said, Mrs. Taunton, I'm sorry to tell you, but... He's probably been gone for some time now. And all that emotion that I held in. When you're a pastor, you got to hold in your emotions. You can't, you can't show your emotions sometimes for everybody else. I'd held it together for my own children who were young at that time for our church. And boy, I just lost it when they told us that. And his mom looked at me and said, Brother Mike, you going to be able to do this or not? She demonstrated such faith. Uh, the verse Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, Just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes the judgment. For Jonathan Taunton, it was at the young age of 18. For others, it may be 90 or more years. None of us knows that, but one day, my old heart's going to stop beating. One day, my chest is going to stop rising and falling with every breath. One day, your brain will stop sending brain waves to other parts of your body telling it what to do. And Job, who we know from the story of the Old Testament in the book of Job, went through so much suffering. Job said this in Job 14, 14, can the dead live again? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. Praise God, the dead will live again. So my question for you this morning, if you got your Bible turned to Luke's gospel, chapter number 16, my question for you this morning is, what happens 60 seconds after we die? 
You could say 60 seconds or you could say a nanosecond. But one day I'm going to be absent from this body and I'm going to be present with the Lord. What happens next? I don't turn to Hollywood. I don't turn to some fiction writer. We're going to turn to the Word of God who tells us all that we need to know. The only reliable source for this life and the next is the Word of God. Look with me, if you will, at Luke chapter 16 and verse number 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Some people refer to this passage as a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I don't believe this is a parable because we get the names of the people involved. Verse 21, as Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. That's nasty. Verse 22, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. If you're a member of Airline Baptist Church, we've emailed you the outline for you to follow along. We'll try to link this on social media. So if you can find that along at home and follow along with us and fill in the blanks with us, if you will. Number one, write this down. 60 seconds after we die or a nanosecond after we die, we will still be alive. Write that down. Number one, we will still be alive. They were both in eternity, but the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar, the beggar, were both very much alive. The scripture tells us that the rich man was in hell. He wasn't in hell because he was rich. He was in hell because he rejected God's truth. Lazarus was not in heaven because he was a poor beggar. Lazarus was in heaven because he had accepted God's truth. The only way any of us will ever get to go to heaven is to have a personal relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, and that is by putting our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. So I have an announcement this morning. We all, everybody has eternal life. The only question is, where are you going to spend yours? Where are you going to spend your eternal life? I can imagine that when Lazarus died, he was a poor beggar. Probably wasn't any funeral for him. They probably threw him in the Valley of Gehenna where they threw garbage and the bodies of poor people, the bodies of animals, and they just burned them there. No ceremony for him. I expect the rich man probably had a lavish funeral with all the area dignitaries coming and paying homage to him. But here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're influential or not very influential, whether you have not very many friends or a lot of friends, you're going to be just as dead as the next person when that time comes. Verse 22 and 23 shows that both the rich man and Lazarus were alive. When their life on earth ended, they were still alive. I love Hebrews chapter 12. It speaks of a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us in heaven. I don't really understand everything about that, but I just take God's word at what he says. There's a cloud of witnesses in heaven, and they're cheering us on. That tells me these people, who saints of God who've gone on before, are alive in heaven. So one day I'm going to survive the death of this body, and I'm going to be more alive than I've ever, ever been. Opinion polls tell us that most Americans will testify they do believe in heaven. They want to believe in a, in a happy afterlife. But those same opinion polls say very few people believe in hell. You cannot believe in one without the other. And you can say, well, preacher, I don't believe in hell. That's okay. You don't have to believe in hell 
to go there. That's a sad reality. Hell is our default mode. We're all sinners in need of a Savior for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. People who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they're kind of like that old nasty TV show, The Walking Dead. They're walking around alive, but they're really dead. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Before I trusted Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, I was a walking dead teenager, dead in my trespasses and my sins. But saved folks are alive even when our earthly heart stops beating. When I was in seminary at Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary, I often heard Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. say this in chapel, and I thought it was original with him, but now I understand it might have been Billy Graham. It doesn't really matter who said it, but here's the reality. Dr. Falwell used to say, one day you're going to read the obituary in the paper, and you're going to read that I've died. He said, don't believe it. I'll be more alive than I've ever been in the presence of the Lord Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus is talking to Martha here. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone, that's all anybody who believes in me will live even after dying. That's that earthly death. Everybody who lives in me and believes in me will never die. He looked at Martha and said, you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, ladies and gentlemen? Do you believe that young person that we can be alive in Christ? In John chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3 and verse 7, Jesus said, Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And you remember Nicodemus asking the hypothetical question, Am I supposed to crawl back into my mother and be born again? No, that's not what he means. We all know John three sixteen. Hey, say it out loud with me. Let's see if I can remember it in King James. Put myself on the spot here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You saying it with me at home? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting eternal life. That's the promise of the gospel of Jesus. If you're only born one time, you're going to die twice. You'll die an earthly death and you'll die a spiritual death. But when you are born again, when you've been born twice, we'll only die once. If we don't trust in Jesus Christ alone, the reality is we will go to hell separated from God forever and forever here's the reality I'm never going there I don't worry about it I don't have to think about it when I do premarital counseling with couples I always tell them don't absolutize don't say never and always but when it comes to my salvation I will never ever ever go to hell because it doesn't depend on Mike it depends on what Jesus and Jesus alone did Jesus says in John 14 and verse 6 I am the way that's a definite article I'm the way I'm the truth and I'm the light nobody comes to the father but by Jesus you can't go through a priest you can't go through Mohammed, you can't go through joseph smith or mary baker glover patterson eddie whoever that lady is that came up with the cult of christian scientists only jesus will get you away to heaven listen he's not a good way to get to heaven he's not one of many ways to get to heaven he's not even the best way he is the only way to get to heaven through a relationship with jesus christ 60 seconds after you die we'll still be alive write this down number two 60 seconds after we die we'll still be alert We'll be alert. It's not some kind of stage like when somebody's in a coma and they're not conscious. Oh, we will be very alert. Back to our text in Luke 16, Luke 16, 24. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. 
send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Listen, he walked past that guy outside of his gate. The guy was nasty. Dogs licked his sores. And now this rich man, he is alert. He don't care about him being nasty. He says, if he can just dip the tip of his water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. Here's what Abraham said to him, son. Remember during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here in heaven being comforted and you are in anguish. Not only were they alive, they were alert. Abraham reminded him of how he walked past that guy. He never offered him not even the scraps from his table. He didn't call Domino's to deliver him a pizza. He didn't offer to take him to a walk-in clinic. He did nothing for him. All of a sudden, he's in hell now and he has a concern. That rich man was alert and he knew he was in hell and he could see Lazarus across the way in heaven. Lazarus' conscience was at peace. He was alert, he was aware, and the rich man was in the torment of hell. Lazarus had that peace. Do you have that peace? Do you know beyond any doubt if you died today, you would go to heaven? When you hear a preacher preach on eternity, does it do something inside of you? Does it make your palms sweat and your heart race faster? Listen, it doesn't have to do that to you. I know where I'm going to spend eternity, and I want you to know that today as well. Number three, write this down. 60 seconds after we die, we'll be alive. We'll be alert. Oh, here's the best part. For Christians, we Christians will be in awe of Jesus. I said earlier, I felt like we were cheating in here while everybody's having to stay home and not get to worship in church. What a blessing that I got to be here and worship along with our worship team. It's just a little foretaste of what heaven's going to be like because, listen, heaven's going to be sweet. There's streets of gold, what we value so much on this earth, just pavement there. My daddy's there. My grandparents are there. Gates of pearl, streets of gold. But listen, heaven will be heaven because Jesus is there. And we talk about the questions we'll have for God when we get there and the folks we want to look up and meet when we get there. But listen, we're probably going to spend eons of time just in worship and in awe of who King Jesus is. And I love what the old song said, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, then he'll take me by my hand and lead me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that's going to be. You can know that. First John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. If you're watching this morning, you don't have to hope you're saved. You don't have to wish you're saved. You can know that beyond any doubt. In John chapter 5 and verse 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe it's not enough just to hear and believe in god who sent me have eternal life they'll never be condemned for their sins but they've already passed from death into life isn't that a curious phrasing right there he uses the past tense they've already passed from death to life even if we're still here alive it takes me in my mind over to romans chapter 8 and verse 30 when he's telling us that we're justified because of jesus and he says who he's justified these have he also glorified he don't say he's going to glorify us when he gets to heaven why does he use the past tense of that verb because it's as good as if it's already happened. I'm as sure for heaven as if I've already been there 10,000 years. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Yes, we are fully confident. We'd rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. There's a song that's been out for several years now that says this, All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. You can take this world, but give me Jesus, because I'm not home yet. 
a blind lady by the name of Fanny Crosby wrote many of the hymns that we sing in our old hymn books. And Fanny Crosby said this one time. She said, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be born, that I should be blind all my life. Miss Fanny said, and I thank him for the dispensation. If I had a choice, I'd still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I'll ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. What a thought. What a thought if you're listening today. And I've got a friend in middle Georgia who watched last week and he's blind. Listen, for my buddy Easy, the first face you're going to see, buddy, is the face of King Jesus. The very lady who said that wrote this hymn. Some of you will recognize these words. When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. Listen to this. And his smile will be the first to welcome me. How could a blind lady see the smile of Jesus? Because she's going to get that glorified body where there's no pain, there's no suffering. All things are made new. And the chorus says, I shall know him, I shall know him. And redeemed by his side, I'll stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the prince of the nails in his hand. That blind lady could write that hymn with the assurance that one day she would see King Jesus. I have that same assurance, do you? Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 says, Look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them and they'll be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's why I say all the time, the best is yet to come. The best is not that first Sunday when we get to worship together, when this building I pray is going to be filled with people. I'm pumped about that. I'm excited about that. We're going to appreciate that more than ever before. But that's not even the best. The best is yet to come when I see the one who died for me. The best is yet to come. 60 seconds after we die, write this down. Number four, we will no longer be able to rescue lost people. We will no longer be able to rescue lost people. Here's the reality. I can't rescue anybody. I can't save anybody. All I can do is point people to the one who can. Let's go back to our text here in Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, 27. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham. He's in hell. I have... At least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers. I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote in the Old Testament. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said these prophetic words, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. That's why so many people reject Jesus. Even though he was crucified on an old rugged cross, laid in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he came back to life, people still reject that truth today. So all of a sudden this rich man is concerned for his brothers. It's too late. When your heart takes its final beat, we will never have another opportunity to share the gospel with those that we've not shared with. We come in, in contact with people almost every day. If you're out in the community, once this COVID virus is over with, or if you're online, we encounter people, even online, who don't know Jesus. If their heart takes its final beat today, they'd be separated from God for all of eternity. When I die, I'm not going to get that opportunity ever again. So what are we waiting on? I think back to a young man who moved to my high school. I don't remember where he was from. He was from another town, and he was played the trombone, and I was the section leader in the Cougar Band at Chris County High School. And 
I'm ashamed to tell you that by that point, I was already a little bit backslidden away from the Lord, and I just really showed no concern for that young man. I just, I mean, he was just kind of there. I don't remember having many conversations with this young man, but if you can look at my high school yearbook, I believe it was my senior year, it's dedicated to the memory of that young man. His name was Frankie Quinn. Never once did I share the gospel with him. Now, perhaps he was a believer, perhaps someone else shared, but I, a Christian, his section leader in the high school band, never shared the gospel with him. We encounter these people every day. There are classmates, there are co-workers, there are the people that you play video games with online. And when we don't share the gospel with people, y'all, here's the reality. We might not say this with our mouth, but with our actions, we're saying, for all I care, you can just go to hell. When I don't share the gospel, that's the reality. For all I care, you can just go to hell. When I, left my wife, when I left my home earlier, my wife was cooking our dinner uh, for tonight, and she had some butter beans on the stove. And boy, it smells so good. Put that good bacon drippings in there the way we were raised to do in the South. It smells so good, and I could see that vapor coming up out of it. But I couldn't grab it and bring it with me. You know why? Because James says in James 4.14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the, the morning fog, or King James says a vapor. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. Who do I need to tell about Jesus? Who do you need to tell about Jesus? They don't know Christ. Who's ever going to tell them 60 seconds after we die that opportunity is gone? Number five, the news just gets worse. Number five, 60 seconds after we die, we'll no longer be able to change our minds. We will no longer be able to change our minds. I know there are cults out there that teach you can be baptized for dead people and get them out of hell. There's a theological term for that. It's called hogwash. It's nowhere in the Bible. Once somebody's heart has taken its final beat, their eternity is sealed forever. I can't do anything to get them out of there. Luke chapter 19 and verse 25 says, But Abraham said to him, Luke 16, Son, remember during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. Now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm or a great gulf separating us. Nobody can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. It's too late. When our heart takes its final beat, we don't have another opportunity. There's nobody. See, the rich man already made his choice on earth. His eternal destination was sealed. All of his money, all of his prestige, all of his influence could not buy him out of torment in hell. When we get to eternity, there are no exit signs for those who rejected the gospel. No way to get out of hell. There are no Church groups singing songs of invitation. There's nobody to share a gospel track. Those opportunities are over forever and forever. So I'm asking you today, 60 seconds after you die, do you know where you'll be? Do you know what you'll be experiencing? And some people say, well, preacher, I've been thinking about that. I'm going to decide later on. You just decided. Not to decide is to decide. We don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. I thought Jonathan... Um, Jonathan was going to be around forever and ever. He was praying about being a church planter in Miami. I thought he'd be around forever, but God saw fit to call that young man home. Everybody has a choice to make, but a nanosecond after our heart takes this final beat, it's all over. There's no other opportunity. Look at your conclusion if you have an outline. Number one, I want to warn you this morning, beware of Satan's tool of procrastination. 
Beware of Satan's tool of procrastination. Listen, oftentimes people say, I'm just too busy. You're not right now. With COVID-19 going around, we're quarantined at home. We don't have ball games. We don't have concerts. We're just kind of at home. There's no time like now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Reject Satan's tool of of procrastination. Number two, write this down. Are you absolutely certain of your eternal destiny? I've asked you that over and over in the course of this message. Are you as sure for heaven as if you've already been there 10,000 years? I don't say that because I'm a preacher. I certainly don't say that because I'm a nice guy or a good husband or a daddy. I can only say that because I'm a nobody from nowhere and the sovereign God of the universe reached down the nail-scarred hand of his son, Jesus Christ, and he lifted me up out of the muck and mire of my life. And he put me on a firm foundation because I realized what the Bible says. It really is it's as easy as ABC. The A is admit you're a sinner. Admit you've done wrong things. Admit there are things I should have done that I didn't do, like share the gospel with more people. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. We're all in the same boat. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. So we have to admit that. The B, the letter B is to believe. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 9, and I'll, I'll tell you, I don't remember a time in my life I didn't believe that. I mean, I, my granny, Faustine Dura, lived next door. She taught me that. My papa went to church sometimes. I knew that. I believed that Jesus was Lord. But listen, it's not enough just to confess with your mouth. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, and believe in your heart. When you believe something from your heart, it changes the way you live your life. I didn't do that until I was a high school freshman. So we got to admit we're a sinner. We got to believe in what Jesus did. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on that first Easter morning, you too can be saved. Romans ten thirteen says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People say, a preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. I'm telling you what God said for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the C is we got to commit our life to him. We give our life to the Lord Jesus as a blank check. Whatever he asks us to do, we're willing to do. That's what that word Lord means. It means boss. So are you absolutely certain of your eternal destiny? If not, you can know that today. Number three, who do you need to warn about eternity without Jesus? Who do you know that's lost? Who do you know that doesn't have a relationship with him? What are we going to do about that? We're going to keep our mouth closed and say, y'all can just go to hell? Or will we open our mouth? Will we be moved with compassion to share with them? And the final point in your conclusion there, number four, eternity is a long time to be wrong. Eternity is forever and forever, and there's no ending to that. It's a long time to be wrong. Why would you gamble with that when you can know today? Would you pray with me? Listen, if you're unsure of your relationship with Jesus, you say, well, preacher, I joined a church or I got baptized. It's not what I'm asking you. Do you have in your heart the peace of God that passes all understanding? If you don't, you just pray something like this from your heart to the heart of the Father. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I believe Jesus lived a perfect life. That's what the Bible says. He was born of a virgin, so the curse of sin was not passed on through an earthly father. You believe Jesus lived a perfect life? Tell God that. You believe Jesus really did die on an old rugged cross in your place? See, it should have been me, should have been you. You say, God, I believe Jesus died on that cross in my place. You believe when they laid him in that borrowed tomb, he came back alive and well on that first Easter morning, and he's alive today. Say, God, I believe that. I believe Jesus really did resurrect himself from the dead. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. 
Ask him to give you his peace in your heart that only he can give. You say, Mike, I know I'm a Christian, but boy, I just hadn't really lived like it. I've been unconcerned about people around me that are lost. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, to be unconcerned is a sin. Not to share the gospel is a sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you're a believer, just ask God to forgive you and give you a brand new start. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls as we turn to you. May we always give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice. If just one person does that, if you just prayed and asked Christ to come into your life, comment that in the section below and let us know that. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you check us out at airlinebaptist.org. If you're a part of this church, remember, it still takes expenses to do what we do. We still have missionaries to support around the world. You can text the words Airline Baptist to 77977, 77977, and you can do that there. One last thing, on Palm Sunday at 3 o'clock in our church parking lot, we're going to host a concert with the Lefebvre Quartet out here. We'll stay in our cars. We'll worship together. That's Palm Sunday at 3 p.m. Write that down. Hey, please reach out to us. Let us know if there's any way at all we can minister to you or your family during this time. But most of all, remember, folks, the one that knows you the best, Jesus, loves you the most. God bless you. Hey, I want to invite you to something super, super special. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And traditionally, we observe the Lord's Supper or communion in our church. We remember the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made for us. Well, obviously, we're not able to meet together. But I'm telling you, this can be a Palm Sunday and a communion time that you'll, you and your family will never forget. We're going to observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning in our 1030 worship service. We'll broadcast that. So we're encouraging families, get you some fruit of the vine, is what the Bible calls it, some, some juice and crackers or bread, and you be prepared to do that. I understand some of our older people, or if you're sick, you don't need to get out. If you don't have access to grape juice and bread or crackers, let us know. You can email us or comment us at the church, and we'll make arrangements to get you that. We have some prepackaged communion um, things left here at the church from one of the last times that we did that. We'll put those outside so there's no contact. Just let us know. You be praying about next Sunday morning. Dads, now's the time for you to step up and be the priest of your home. Imagine how sweet that's going to be as you serve your family the Lord's Supper. He says we ought to do this until he comes again. I can't wait to see you next Sunday morning at 1030 right here.